We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back in as we continue our 50 hours for 50 years coverage. Extended Chiefs post game here. On 610 Sports Radio, 610sports.com, the radio.com app. However you choose to listen, we appreciate it. As we are doing a uh, very, very special thing here at 610 Sports Radio, going live and local, 50 straight hours. We are uh, just over 24 hours into this. We're uh, Yeah, we're, uh, yeah, we're just over 24 hours into this. Uh, this is my second time. Hosting in this in this fifty hours, because um, I was on last night from ten to midnight. It was me and Jillian, as we uh, we got pretty quick reactions about this uh, this Chiefs AFC Championship victory, and uh, we'd like to hear from you if you want to weigh in. Tell me how uh, how you're feeling about your Kansas City Chiefs going back to the Super Bowl third time in franchise history you can call in 913-576-7610 you can also text in on the smitty's garage burgers and beer text line which is 69306 as we will continue to take your words uh throughout the rest of this hour and then make sure you stick around for bink as he'll be on from 10 p.m to 2 a.m and then after that it'll be uh, it'll be Dusty Likens, Nick Price from 2 a.m. to 5.58 when Fesco takes over. So we will be live and local throughout the rest of the night, throughout the rest of tomorrow. So make sure you are tuning in, listening to us. We've got all your coverage here for the Kansas City Chiefs. We are all very, very excited about uh, the Chiefs making a, another Super Bowl berth 50 years after their very last one. Um. So I want to I want to get into Tyron Matthew and just how important he has been for this Kansas City Chiefs team and 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 the change that we have seen on the defensive side of the ball with him at the helm taking ownership of this defense. Here is Tyron Matthew after last night's game talking about what it feels like now to be an AFC champion. How's this feel? What's going through your mind right now? Man, I'm, I'm just so grateful, uh, you know, for obviously for the people of Kansas City, man. It's been 50 years, and, you know, I think to bring that Lamar Hunt trophy back home, um, that was our job today, and uh, I'm proud of our guys uh, for really coming through. What was it like from the moment you woke up this morning to standing here right now on the field after this? Yeah, so look, I was trying to be calm and collected this morning, but I woke up, I was ready to go, man, and uh, we probably didn't start off the game the best way, uh, but we've been through a lot of adversity this year as a team, and uh, so we know how to rally around each other. And I thought we did that today, and uh, I thought ultimately we gave these fans what they wanted, and uh, that was a trip to Miami. You guys like that starting slow bull crap, huh? Yeah, we can't do that in the Super Bowl, though. <laughs> it's, it, it's obviously the greatest day of your professional career, but how does it feel to do it for Andy? 
man. It's, it's everything. Uh, you think about Coach Reed and really all the people he's uh, impacting positively. You know, you talk about all the head coaches that, you know, he's putting those positions and, you know, all the Hall of Fame players that came under him. Um, uh, I think this win is definitely for him and Lamar Hunt, no doubt. Is it more important to win it for Andy or for you guys now down in Miami? I think it's more important to keep Coach first, man. Uh, he's a hell of a ball coach, and, you know, you don't get a lot of opportunities to go to the Super Bowl, and, you know, he's been there twice, and uh, so uh, hopefully we'll be able to get it done for him. How good is that quarterback? He's the best thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, brother. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for uh, Bob. Thanks to Bob Vesco for getting that audio after the game on the field there. Um, Tyron Matthew deserves, after Patrick Mahomes, he, you know, of any player, he deserves the most credit for this team getting to the Super Bowl. Because when we look at the issues that this team had on the defensive side of the ball a year ago, I think the biggest thing we could look at was the lack of leadership that they had. Now, obviously, Eric Berry was a well-respected member of that organization, um, former All-Pro, multi-time Pro Bowler, really, really great player, and he was a really, he's a really good person too. And certainly, us here in, in Kansas City have a lot of love for what he did for this organization when he suited up for us. But I don't ever, I never felt like he was, he had the kind of impact as a leader, as a player that we are seeing now with Tyron Matthew, where you got a guy who is so comfortable with taking the reins and, and being, the, you know, as we saw at the beginning of the year when he decided he was going to take on the new nickname of the landlord, which when you are a new player going into a team with the expectations and the, the success that a team like the Chiefs have, you have to have a lot of respect to be able to come in and to take ownership and be a leader like that that quickly. It's that's not something that anybody just goes and does. So there has to be a lot of respect for him as a person and for him as a player, for him to come in in such a short amount of time and be able to take ownership of this team, of this defense, and have the kind of um, impact that he had on the field and in that locker room. Like that's something that I, I think we were really missing because last year you had the issue with the, with the um, Haglund's deformity that, Eric Berry had, which not only kept him off the field, but I think caused some question marks to exist in that in that in that coaching staff in the front office and in that locker room in regards to Eric Berry because he didn't want to have surgery. He was just rehabbing and they had cleared him to play and he was just sitting out a bunch of games. And he was missing a ton of snaps in games. And this team needed him on that field. And I think that because of the way that he was keeping himself out, because they were pretty much like, okay, we're going to trust you on this, Eric. We're going to believe in your judgment and trust that you know what you're doing with your body. And he didn't come back, I think, until that Seahawks game. And at that point, it really was well beyond time for him to be able to get adjusted to playing football again. And he really didn't have a major impact. You saw that AFC Championship game where he was just getting burned by Gronk down the sidelines. That had a real real bad impact on this defense because you're trotting out guys like Dirty Dan out here. He's having to play strong safety, which isn't really a strong suit. Um, you had you had um, Jordan Lucas out there. He's trying to play, and and they they just did. They were very undermanned. 
they didn't have that leadership on the field. He wasn't as present as you'd like him to be in the, in the locker room and from a leadership standpoint. And it's a complete 180 this year with Tyron Matthew, where Matthew was involved. You, I mean, you just he's a great Twitter follow. Like seriously, like every like ever, especially in the last 24 hours or so, he is absolutely entertaining. Uh, the way that he is he is addressed, he's been on social media the last 24 hours. I mean, he he talked about that that big hit he put on Corey Davis, where Corey Davis caught that 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 route out in the flats. And then Tyron just ran up and just crushed his ass for like a two or three yard loss. It was so beautiful of a, of a play, and it was really one of them that that kind of built the confidence confidence up in this defense. And then you saw him really kind of changed the scope of how the defense was playing. They were more aggressive after that. They were hitting harder, and they were getting to Derrick Henry at the line of scrimmage or even behind it a lot more after that play. Even though they did score on that that drive. The defense certainly had a little bit more life to them to him to them after that play. He is a guy that just brings so much energy. And he's very confident and he's very mature. And he's really smart. That's one of the things that uh you you don't hear a lot about about defensive players. You hear about their athletic ability, you hear about their instincts. You don't really hear about how smart these guys are. And when you listen to him talk and when you listen to Frank Clark talk talk too. These guys are really smart, and they do a lot of studying, a lot of research. Frank was talking about that heavily on on Friday because I was watching the press conferences as I was stranded at home because of that ice storm we got. And I I, I listened to him to to Frank talk, and you could tell he's been in the film room studying. And whenever you listen to to Tyron talking about these offenses that they're going up against, you can tell he studies. You can tell in that Texans game. Okay, he knows. He's got an idea of the tendencies of that Houston Texans team. And you saw it in this game as well. And he was looking out for that that route in the flats to the to the receiver there, to the tight end. And he snuffed it out and he laid a big hit, laid the wood there, and it completely changed the scope of that game for them defensively after that drive. I think that when you have someone that provides leadership, that leads by example, but can also talk these guys up, these players can trust each other. And they know, okay, I'm doing the right thing, and I trust that my teammates are doing the right thing too. That goes a long way. And leadership is a very important part of that. Spags deserves a lot of credit for how he has coached the last half of the year. And you definitely have to give a ton of credit to Tyron Matthew as well because he has been, to me, the second most important player on this team behind Mahomes because he brought confidence and swagger to this defense that was not there before. And these guys trust that they're doing the right thing. And when you believe that you're doing the right thing and you know that, okay, I'm in the right spot and you trust your teammates to do their jobs too, it makes the entire effort that much more better. Uh, we're going to get to a call here before we get to a break here. John, you are on the radio. I'm right here. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, I was uh, I was going over the scores of some of their last games. Uh, they played... Uh, Deshaun Watson, mm-hmm. they ran uh, 72 plays, got 24 points. The Chiefs ran 51. Hello, John. Yeah, it looks like we lost him. <laughs> we look like, this looks like we lost John. All right, we'll get to another caller here before we get to a break. Is that Dale from Ottawa? Yeah, Dale from Ottawa. You are on the radio. 
Yeah, hey, just wanted to share my thoughts on Tyron Matthews. Yeah. Uh, I fell in love with that kid after watching All or Nothing on Arizona Cardinals when he played with them. And I was so, so excited when uh, the Chiefs picked him up. He's been a huge difference maker on our defense. And I love his, his passion. And you were talking about his smarts. Uh, yeah, he's just got such intelligence. There was, I can't remember if it was week 16 or something like that, but uh, we were playing defense and he walked up behind one of our our other players and just kind of said something. It looks like we lost uh, we lost Dale as well. So feel free to call back in 913-576-7616 because we look like we're, we've had some issues here with, uh, with Signal. And if you are also wanting to get your opinions in on the uh, on the Kansas City Chiefs, you can also call in as well. Or you can text in on the Smitty's Garage Burgers and Beer text line, which is 69306. We'll be taking your calls and texts throughout the night as we continue our coverage. We want you to be able to get your thoughts on the this Chiefs team as they are going back to the Super Bowl and trying to bring home the second championship championship trophy in in team history. Uh coming up next though, I want to talk about how Mahomes now is starting to become this the biggest star, one of the biggest stars in the NFL, and how I think that's going to change some people's perceptions about him in the near future. We'll talk about that next. Back in here as we continue on 50 hours for 50 years coverage here on 610 Sports Radio, 610sports.com, the radio.com app. However you're choosing to listen, we appreciate you listening to us as we keep it live and local for 50 hours straight. And uh, we are making good time here. <laughs> this is the final hour for me. This will be my fifth hour hosting in the last less than 24 hours now. So, yeah, you, you got to believe I'm pretty tired here. But I am, I am enjoying it. I'm loving it being able to talk about my Kansas City Chiefs as I finally, and I know you guys as well listening some of you were alive when they uh when they last went to the super bowl and won it but i was uh that was 20 years my b- before i was born so it was a very very long time so then now this is very surreal for me it really hasn't quite hit in if you want to weigh in on anything that we talk about call in phone lines are open 913-576-7610 you can also weigh in on the uh Smitty's Garage, Burgers and Beer text line, which is 69306. Uh, before we get to uh, the Patrick Mahomes talk, I want to get back to John. John called in earlier. We lost him. John, you were on the radio. Hi. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. Okay, yeah. I was talking uh, – I'm going over the scores of the last few scores of the Chiefs. And like I said, when they were playing Texas, they beat them 51-31. Uh, to 31. Yes. Texas ran 72 plays. And mm-hmm. the Chiefs ran 51 plays. So they got a point per play, whereas Texas didn't even get a half a point per play. So what this is telling me is these coaches are coming up with plays to where they can score fast in a limited amount of time. You know what I'm saying? They just, you know, run out three, four, five plays, and bam, they're in the end zone. They don't need to mess around. They don't need to have all the time of possession. You know what I'm saying? That doesn't yeah. hurt the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. It's just it's this play calling from uh, – there's. Defensive coordinator and the other coordinator and the chief and uh, Andy Reid. That's the one who's making all this happen. And the players are buying into it. 
you know, because they could be down in any game, and all they need is one good quarter to get right back in it. They don't need a lot of time to get back in a game. Ten minutes when they're on a roll, and that's it, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's a stat I was just coming up, and I was comparing it to, like, college games and LSU where they score so many points and so many plays. And uh, I was looking at looking at it. I mean, to be a competitive team in this league, you need to score, like, a half a point per play. Yeah. You know, if you're running 70, 80 plays, you need to put up 30, 40 points. You know, otherwise you're not going to win. You know, and the Chiefs, they just, they just do it in a little quicker and better fashion. Yeah, yeah, John, thanks for the call. That was That's actually a really good point. And that actually highlights the reason why, because we've heard this, we heard this from a caller earlier, and we have heard this, I was listening earlier, I saw, I saw a clip on YouTube from Pro Football Talk, Mike Florio, Chris Sims, and they said that if this Chiefs team gets behind on the Steelers, that they're, you know, it's, it's going to be bad news for them. And it's like, is it really? I mean, if they get down 24 nothing, yeah, you got a point. But if they get down 10 nothing like they did to the to the Titans. Or if they get down 17-7 like they did to the Titans. Is it really that bad? They get a touchdown, they get a stop, they get another touchdown, all of a sudden they're up by four again. It's this team is so proficient at scoring quickly that it's not as big of an issue for them if they do get down because they can score at the drop of a dime. And that's one of the things that we as fans have to understand about uh, a team like the Chiefs compare in comparison to like this year's team in comparison to previous teams, where in previous years we saw Chiefs teams that if they get down, Alex Smith years, this Chiefs team gets down, okay, we got a problem now. Because we know that when you have Alex Smith as your quarterback, you know, you're not going to get as many of those big plays down the field. You're going to run a little bit more West Coast style, work your way down the field, put together a nice, good, methodical drive, and then you score. Sometimes you will get those big plays, but you can't count on them. I will say it might be a little bit more of a problem this time against the 49ers just because yeah. that defense is so much better than these last two defenses the Chiefs have played. And I a little tougher to score this time. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're, they're a better defense for sure. They're, they're going to be the best defense that this Chiefs team plays all year long. Especially I, if Joey Bosa's coming off the edge. Yeah. Just a little scarier, man. Yeah, but I don't really have any confidence that there's a defense in the NFL that can stop the Chiefs' offense. They can certainly make it tough for Mahomes. I don't think they can stop. Anybody could stop this Chiefs offense. I've seen no evidence that when this Chiefs offense is playing, like when they are running the the uh, spread offense that they like to run when they're down, when they need to score points in bunches, I don't think there's an, any team that can stop it. Can't run zone against it because guys are going to get open deep. You can't run man against it because guys are going to get open deep. So it's a, it's a big problem for them because – They've got ways to beat pretty much every kind of coverage. So it's going to matter whether or not they're going to be able to send pressure. The issue, though, is if I'm Andy Reid, if I'm Eric Bieniemy, I'm planning on the, the Niners to be aggressive in that game. I'm planning on Robert Sala, their defensive coordinator, to be aggressive. Because if they drop back in coverage and they just send three or four, I think they're going to have a hard time being able to stop Patrick Mahomes. So... When I think about the the way that this this game can go out can can happen there, and the way that it can it can materialize offensively for the Chiefs, 
the worst case scenario is that they're able to just get pressure with four guys. They're not needing to blitz, and now you've got Mahomes trying to go back against seven, eight guys in coverage. If they can do that, that's a problem. But if Patrick Mahomes is able to do what he's done the last two weeks and he's able to sit back and survey the field and either make a play with his legs or find a guy deep down the field, it's going to be a problem. Because I'll tell you this, they're not going to be able to cover all those guys. I don't care how good they've been. They've been susceptible to the passing game at times, even though they finished the season number one in passing defense. They've been susceptible at times. We saw them against the Saints. We saw them against the Cards, against the Seahawks. They got burned in some games. Um, but we know that this Chiefs offense has too many weapons for them to stop. So getting into uh, Patrick Mahomes real quick before we uh, get back to a break. Um, it was it came out earlier today, the NFLPA released their list of top merchandise sellers for the, uh, for the 2019 year between March of, the, of last year through, uh, through November. And the number one guy, Number one merch seller of all NFL players is our quarterback, Patrick Mahomes. And I'm really excited just because of the fact that it means that he's starting to get his just due. And it means that now people are jumping on the Kansas City Chiefs bandwagon. I mean, I think that there's going to be people rooting for him much in the same way we see a lot of people bandwagoning like LeBron James's teams, where... A lot of people are like, eh, I don't really like the Cavs. I don't really like the Lakers. I don't really like the Heat. But I'm going to root for that team simply because LeBron James is on it. I think the Chiefs are going to get a lot of bandwagon ears because of Mahomes. Because, I mean, to be honest, it could be a situation. Somebody texted this in earlier on the uh, on the, on the the text line. And they was like, are you willing to say that this Chiefs team could go on a run here and and, you know, put together some some years of winning, put together a dynasty potentially. And I got to see what they do in this, in this Niners game here, but something tells me that they, they might have it in them. It was funny. Actually, Therese Paler was actually uh, talking about this uh, on the Therese Paler show, which you heard earlier from six to seven. You can listen to it on the podcast page, six the radio.com app. And and here's what he had to say about the Chiefs potentially putting together a dynasty with Mahomes. My partner in the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast, and if you listen to this show, you should listen to that, by the way. Uh, Charles Robinson pointed this out. Um, Charles does not live in Kansas City, but he's been covering national fo- football at a national level for 20 years. He mentioned He said the Chiefs are basically like the 93 Bulls. The run is coming. Like, the run is coming. You might be leading by 20 to start the third quarter. It doesn't matter because the run is coming because they're more athletic than you. They're more explosive than you, and they've got the best player on the court at all times. And that will be Patrick Mahomes for the Chiefs. You can take your 24-7 to lead. Okay. You got a Hall of Fame coach, just like Phil Jackson. You've got a player who has a ceiling of maybe being the greatest player of all. That's there for Mahomes if Mm -hmm. he can finish the job. He's 24 years old and doing things. You know, it takes guys years and years and years to do. So, yeah, like the parallel's real, which means that if you're an opposing fan base, this is going to start getting real low when they start winning titles because there's no point in any game where you're going to feel comfortable with your team with a lead on Mahomes, and we are very close, if we're not already there, to being at the point where you don't bet against Patrick Mahomes at any point ever. 
And that was a very, very well said point. And this is not something that the NFL has really experienced besides what we've seen with Tom Brady and the Patriots, where you just had a guy who's so damn good and the organization that he plays for is so damn good that it is, I mean, literally no competition for them. Obviously, they're not going to win every single championship, but they're so dominant that for a stretch of time, they it, it is essentially impossible to trust that any team is going to be able to beat them in the biggest of games. You look at this Chiefs team right now with Patrick Mahomes, and you watch that game. And I it was funny because I was I rewatched like highlights of the game on YouTube during my lunch break at my day job, and I was trying to like watch it from the perspective of a Tennessee Titans fan. I told you earlier about how I went on Music City Miracles uh, page, the uh, SB Nation version of of Arrowhead Arrowhead Pride for the Titans, and I looked at that that their live blog for the for the game their little their their discussion thread where the fans are reacting to the game and initially they were excited but they were wary because they knew that that if Mahomes gets going they get a couple touchdown drives a couple of consecutive touchdown drives they got a problem now so they were wary but they liked that start that 10 nothing start they were feeling it then obviously the first touchdown okay this is no, not panic time, but this offense has to score now. And then they go up 17-7, and they're feeling good. They're like, okay, you know, this offense is looking pretty damn good. Three straight scoring drives to start the game. And then Mahomes with that amazing throw to Tyreek Hill. And then they get, and then the Titans offense gets stopped. And as soon as that happened, that's when they started sweating a little bit. Two minutes to go, and... And I, I remember telling people, I was like, look, in 1990s NFL, two minutes might not be enough time for most quarterbacks to be able to maneuver down the field. But in 2020, it is no problem whatsoever for a guy like Patrick Mahomes to get into scoring range in a few plays. And you saw it there. He They got down to the 27 really quickly, and then with – I think it was 23 seconds left in the half. He just rips off that amazing run, and you you look at and I I stopped right before when the fans were just when the the fans on that Titans blog were just a little bit wary. They were a little bit annoyed, perturbed about the Chiefs being able to move the ball down the field. And then the first thing you see after he scores that touchdown is f word, f word, f word, f word, f word. Five straight f words. They actually spelled the first one wrong. It was with a J at the end instead of a K. That's how angry they were. And it was just curse word after curse word. Oh, my God, we're going to lose. This game's done. They're down by four at the half. And they knew immediately that this game is over. That is the helplessness that it, that that NBA fans have felt when Michael Jordan was at the top. It's what many NBA fans have felt with, with LeBron James playing in the league, though he's done a lot of losing in the finals. But still, you know, if you play in the Eastern Conference, if you rooted for the Celtics or any of those teams, you're rooted for the Pacers or the Bulls, it, it's pretty helpless watching your team lose in the in the conference semis or the conference finals to LeBron James every single year. That is how it has to feel like to be a fan of a, of a team that's not the Chiefs. And isn't that how a lot of people felt about Tom Brady? I mean, yes. that's the exact same thing. You He got the ball back and you knew he was going to score. You were so terrified of it. 
Yeah, especially like last year in Foxborough, and then obviously at you know at Arrowhead in the as AFC as Championship the game. Time, you knew it was over. You knew it was over. I knew that as soon as they lost that coin coin toss, I was like, the game's over because this defense can't stop them. But in that same way, when Patrick got the ball, two minutes left. Two minutes felt like ten minutes. Yes, you knew it was over. You knew he was going to score. Yeah, you knew he was going to score. I looked at the time with two minutes. And I remember telling my girlfriend, I was like, "Oh, this is no problem. They're going to be able to score because it's it's Patrick Mahomes." And they had no problem moving down the field. Twenty three seconds left. They still had two timeouts because they they managed that those those two minutes really well. And they were in field goal range with twenty three seconds, and they were able to get that big ass run from Mahomes. And you gotta respect the hustle there. Those these fans know that this team is for real, for real. And it is scary to have to think about facing that guy for the next 10, 15, 20 years. I would be scared out of my mind having to have my favorite team play against Patrick Mahomes every year and know that you have to go through Arrowhead or that they're coming to your stadium in order to go to a Super Bowl. You know how hard that is going to be? For any team to have to go and face that every single year, it's very much going to be like what we saw in like the NBA with the LeBrons and the Michael Jordans. It's scary as hell. And a lot of people are like, you know what? I don't want to root against that. I want to be a part of that bandwagon. Let me let me just jump on that bandwagon. Let me become a Chiefs fan as long as Mahomes is wearing red and gold. A lot of fans are doing that now. It's going to be a very much a very LeBron-like fandom. We're going to have to start quizzing some of these Chiefs fans and you know checking their their Chiefs fandom, checking their credentials because we're going to have a whole lot of bandwagon ears here in the near future. Much in the same way we've seen you've seen like with the Patriots, where the Patriots have picked up a very large bandwagon over the years. We're going to have to start doing that here in Chiefs Kingdom because there's going to be a whole lot of fakes running around in this in this fandom here pretty soon. Because if I were if I were a new fan, if I were not a fan of the, of of my hometown team, and I was a free agent, and I was shopping around for teams, the Chiefs would be the one I'd be looking at trying to root for. Because I sure as hell want don't want to root root against Patrick Mahomes. Coming up next, I'm going to tell you why the Chiefs have been showing signs of this amazing run the entire season. Final couple segments here. For me, as we continue our 50 hours for 50 years coverage, extended Chiefs post game, we're staying live and local all throughout the night. So make sure you keep it locked here on 610 Sports Radio, 610sports.com, or the radio.com app. However you're choosing to listen, we appreciate you listening to us. We're staying live and local. Coming after uh, coming after me in about 18 minutes, Jay Binkley, Binky Boy takes over. He'll keep you locked until 2 a.m. Him and Crame Dog, they've got all the Chiefs takes. Um, they're going to talk about candy bars because uh, he got these zero candy bars or whatever. I've never heard of these things, but they're going to try them. So keep it locked on here throughout the night. Dusty and, and Nick from Out of Bounds will have you from 2 to 5.58. So you must keep it here. We're, going, we're staying live and local all throughout the night, all throughout tomorrow. So... Uh, yeah, definitely this is your home right here for Chiefs coverage here on 610 Sports Radio. So one of the things I think we saw throughout the, the regular season was this team kind of employed different strategies to prepare themselves for this playoff run. 
Now, offensively, they ran essentially two different offenses during the regular season. Early on, we saw the 2018 offense, the high-octane spread offense where they're throwing the ball down the field and they are stretching the defense out. They're attacking those spaces in between zones or taking advantage of mismatches in man coverage. And you saw this Chiefs offense explode. First week in Jacksonville against a defense that has been pretty good, you know, save for some injuries and whatnot. And they absolutely torched that defense, 40 points in the first game. I mean, really, the first four games, you saw the offense really come to life. Raiders, 28 points in the second quarter. And now they didn't score in the other three quarters, but you score 28 points in a quarter, you should probably win that football game. You know, then you saw that game against the Ravens, and they ended up getting a big lead and then holding off Lamar Jackson, who should win the MVP this year. And then, obviously, that Lions game where it was a wild seesaw affair, but the Chiefs were able to to get a late touchdown to go ahead and win. The offense was essentially the offense we saw last year. There were some efficiency points, like they weren't great in the red zone. That kind of kept them from being not being at the same level as what they were a year ago. But still, we definitely could identify that as the 2018 team, the spread offense, high-octane offense. But then, in the latter part of the year, and especially in the final six weeks of the season, we saw them employ a more ball control West Coast style offense. And we obviously knew that that was probably going to happen at some point because we know that Andy Reid gave away way too much last year during the regular season. He was giving away all of his secret recipes. And so all these teams knew, okay, we got to figure out what does he like doing the most and we got to counter that. And you saw that both times they played the New England Patriots. First time at Foxborough, nine points in the first half. And then they had to go on this amazing run because they were down by 15 at the half. Second game, they didn't score a damn thing in that first half. And then they had to go on this amazing 31-point run in the second half in order to be able to get that game to overtime. And you shouldn't have to do that. You shouldn't have to go out there and go scoreless or play so bad in the first half with that kind of offense that you are because they because they know what you're going to do that all of a sudden you have to put this Herculean effort in order to get back in the game. So Andy decided I'm going to dust off my old playbook, my Alex Smith playbook, my Philadelphia playbook, and I'm going to take it back old school. And he was dinking and dunking and he was running a lot of simple plays that just relied on ball control, moving the ball down the field. He knows he can't run the football because he doesn't have a great running back and he doesn't have an offensive line that's great at run blocking. So what he would do is he'd be conservative, he would take his time, and he would make sure that he reveals as little as he possibly could. And he relied really heavily on his defense as well. And his defense responded in kind with great performances later on in the season. They did a great job of keeping the opposing defense opposing offense off the field, not ma- making sure that they weren't able to get touchdowns very often. You saw a lot of field goals. You get a touchdown every now and then, but they were keeping teams out of the end zone and making sure they didn't score multiple touchdowns in a game if they did score one. And they were getting turnovers. And they helped this team finish with a plus eight turnover differential. The offense was very efficient. They were smart. And they weren't pushing the ball down the field, and they weren't revealing all of their trade secrets. 
And then you get to the playoffs. And you saw early on mistakes were made, 24-point deficit early on in the second quarter. And next thing you know, they flipped the page, went back to the 2018 spread offense, and had no problem you know, rattling off seven straight touchdown drives and 51 points total in that game. All because they just went back to what they were doing before in a game that they had to win in order to be able to keep vying for that championship. Then, this past Sunday, we saw them in a, in a similar situation. Down 10 points in the second quarter to a team that loves to ball control. And they were like, okay, we're good. We'll be fine here. And they just start running through that that Texans defense. I mean, that Titans defense down 10. And eventually when they got that 21-17 lead, then third quarter, second possession that they get, they start going back to that ball control West Coast style offense. The same offense that they've been trying to perfect the last half of the season. And I, I called it on Twitter as soon as I started the second half. I was like, don't be surprised. If the Chiefs slow it down and try to take their time uh, moving the ball down the field, and I think they put together like an eight, nine-minute drive that resulted in a touchdown on their second drive of the of the third quarter, and that changed the scope of the game because then I think his name's Arthur Smith, the Titans' offensive coordinator. He panicked. He panicked, and he was like, oh, crap. I can't hand the ball off to Derrick Henry like I wanted to at the beginning of the game. Because this Chiefs offense is going to is going to play keep away, and we can't stop them. And he started throwing the ball down the field, and he played right into the Chiefs' hands. This team has been preparing for games like these all year long. They've been preparing to play ball control. They've been preparing to play that 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 high octane spread offense where they're just scoring in two minutes. They have been ready for it all year long, and they've been ready to rely on their defense all year long. And they geared them up at the back end of the season by putting a lot of pressure on that defense to get stops. And they paid, and it, and it paid itself off in, in really big dividends because you saw them go out there and get clutch plays for the, against the Chargers. You saw them get, them get clutch plays against the Patriots. Saw them get clutch plays against the Bears, Broncos, etc. They were able to rely on that defense, and that's the reason why the defense is in the position that they're in today, and it's the reason why the offense right now looks so damn good in in their first two playoff games of the season. Coming up next, I'm going to finish the show by giving you my initial thoughts about this 49ers and Chiefs matchup as we get ready to continue our coverage with Binkley at 10 o'clock. Final few minutes here on the show. We are continuing our live and local coverage. 50 hours for 50 years. Extended Chiefs post game. We're going to continue to talk Chiefs throughout the night. Binkley's got you in a little less than seven minutes now, so make sure you stick with him and Crane Dog. And then at uh, 2 a.m., that's when you'll hear Dusty Likens and Nick Price from Out of Bounds continue the coverage until 5.58 when Fesco and the crew take over. So make sure you keep it locked all night. Here on 610 Sports Radio with however you listen. Uh, I mean, don't don't sleep in your car or anything, but listen on your phone. You know, make sure you get the uh, the radio.com app and you listen to us all throughout the night. I'm probably going to do that when I get home because I want to hear all this Chiefs coverage throughout the night. But I want to give you my final thoughts here on these uh, on these 
the Super Bowl matchup between the Niners and the Chiefs. One of the things that when you look at this Niners team and you think about how it matches up with the Chiefs, the Niners are not that much different than the Tennessee Titans. They really are not that much different. Now, they're better at the things that they do well than the Titans are. You know, the Titans are like the very bottom part of that evolution. But the San Francisco 49ers, they are the final evolution of that style of team. The the team with the game manager quarterback that runs the football, has playmakers in the passing game, and has a great defense. Like, they are the final evolution of that. And so, when you look at teams that are built that way, the big key for them is they must establish the run. If they don't establish the run, then they're counting on a quarterback that has really not shown in a consistent basis the ability to go out there and carry the reins of the team by themselves. And so, in it from the matchup standpoint, us as Chiefs fans are going to be rooting for Jimmy Garoppolo to throw that football more than 20 times. They have been trying their damnedest to avoid having Garoppolo throw the football. That's why he only threw it eight times last night in the NFC Championship game. Now, the running game worked, and so they certainly didn't need him to throw more than that. But if the Chiefs do what they did against the Titans, and, you know, the Titans, they they have a great offensive line as far as running the football. They're not a great pass-blocking line, but they're, they, they are a great run-blocking line, and they move guys out of the way, and you got a big, bruising running back. You look at this this 49ers team, Tevin Coleman's not going to be in that game because he's got that arm injury. So they're going to be relying on Mostert, and I know Mostert ran for like 220 yards in last night's game, but, you know, you don't know if that's going to happen again. I mean, this this Chiefs defensive line is very physical, and they were out-muscling that Titans offensive line throughout that and throughout the, the, the final three quarters of that game. It's hard to to see them getting out-muscled by, the, by that 49ers offensive line. So really, it's going to be about play design, and it's going to be about adjustments that are made. But from my perspective, it is hard for me to believe that this game is not going to come down to Mahomes versus Jimmy Garoppolo. It's just hard for me to not believe that's what's going to happen. And that is great news for Chiefs fans. If it comes down to Garoppolo and Mahomes, we're good. Because essentially... You're facing off against the same team that you used to be. And you're facing off against an Alex Smith-type team. And I'll tell you this. I'll take Alex Smith. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll take a matchup versus an Alex Smith-type quarterback. Because with this kind of quarterback, as long as you don't make a ton of mistakes, as long as you don't have a bunch of dumb penalties, you got a good, pretty, pretty good chance of beating that team. So... I'll take the Chiefs' chances here. I really like this matchup, even though I don't think it's going to be an easy game by any stretch of the imagination because they're well coached. Coming up next is Binky Boy. As him and Cream Dog take you till 2 a.m., you can listen to me on Saturdays with Jillian Carroll and Julio Sanchez on overtime from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. My name is Chris Unocero. Uh, special thanks to Grant Nicholson for producing this operation on the other side of the glass. And I thank you, the listener, for taking time out of your Monday evening to listen to me ramble for the last three hours. I'll hear, I'll see you guys, guys again on Saturday. 
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.